I really sense that uh, I'm just going to be straight up preaching with you guys this morning, okay? Uh, going back a little bit to, to some of my roots, maybe, uh, for that. So I will be giving you scripture. There are receipts for this, okay? I'm not making this up. Uh, but I don't feel impressed as much to define the words. I feel like that will get uh, some of you guys maybe more caught up in trying to write down the, the Greek or the Hebrew and trying to do some of that stuff. And right now, I just need you to understand what the Spirit is saying. And then later, we can go back and define these things, and, and I can show it. This may challenge some of you. It may not challenge others of you. But I believe if our hearts are open, it will challenge every single one of us. Because you know how I know it's a great, it's a great word from God? Is when I leave from study and feeling like, wow, like, ow, not like, but like a wow, ow. Y'all ever have one of those where it's like, wow, that's good, but okay, I got you. And that's kind of what happened to me over the course of the week in studying this is because I want to make sure and tear down any misconception one more time that I am not standing up here saying, I got it, you get it. I'm standing right there with you saying, he's got it, let's get it with you guys because this spoke deeply to me. And I want to pray one more time just before I begin to to open this to you because I really want to make sure. I'm letting you know right now ahead of time, you guys, usually we do prayer the way you saw it where we say, hey, if you feel the, the, the necessity to go, you go. That's, that's how we feel the Spirit moves 90% of the time. But I know this morning, after this message, He's going to ask us to respond to it. And I don't want you to take it lightly, by the way, to respond to it, okay? I'm not playing with your emotions. I don't, you know, that, that's between you and God. If you respond to it by sitting in your seat, that's equally responsive, okay? Y'all are aware of that. But we will have our prayer team together to do, I call it kind of the traditional prayer line kind of a thing. It's, it's kind of rare that we do it in that manner, but I felt very in, in, impressed to do it that way. So I'm just, I'm giving you the heads up ahead of time. I, I know that that's where the Spirit's taking us, so begin to let him search your heart. Let's pray and let's jump into this. Father, again, we say thank you for this morning. Father, I pray that my words are yours and your words are mine. That anything I say is said from your spirit, not from mine. And that you get all the glory for this. In your name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Caleb. So we're going to jump right into this. And I want to open it with this one uh, scripture. Hosea 4.6. Says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 6 says, My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Knowledge is, is like knowing how. So that could be knowing how to do something or knowing how something works. But it says that's what people perish from is when they don't know how. And what I hope this morning it brings you how the Spirit of God works. We're gonna define um, the last couple of weeks just to kind of catch everybody up, okay? Just kind of catch everybody up and remind you where we were at. And then um, I'm just going to kind of share a little bit more of this. But I want to I share with you guys why we call them journeys. Have y'all ever heard us say, oh, and our journey, and we don't say like our series as much? That's not just because we want to be trendy and cool, because no one else says it, so it's not trendy and cool. And honestly, it sounds kind of weird 
when we say it. Even myself, I catch my journey. That sounds weird. But God did give that to us because a series is just a series of things, right? Just there's, there's maybe a story to it, right? Who watches TV series, right? You know, I know y'all all binge on Netflix and everything like that. So, you know, I, I just got through, like, Big Bang Theory is over for me. I've watched every single one of them now, and, uh, you know, it's over. But that's a series, and it's just kind of something that is said or as done, like, or, or, or watched, or, you know. But a journey is something you walk. When it's, when it's your journey, one of my favorite favorite, favorite shows is Lord of the Rings. Don't worry, I'm not teaching on Lord of the Rings. While one day I may dress up as Gandalf, uh, but Lord of the Rings is like this story of this epic journey or like the Hobbit, and it's following all of this because we call it a journey because it is something that we must walk out and do within ourselves. So I want you guys to know that's why when we say journey, it's because we're standing fully expecting to begin to take steps with whatever is spoke to us. So we've been talking a lot about the Spirit of God over the last two to three weeks. Now it's time to do some spirit. Because this is stepping us from understanding it into walking it. That's what this morning is. It's, from, it's stepping from saying, okay, we kind of conceptually, we're trying to understand this God of the universe that we can never fully understand. And now we're stepping into, I want to see what it's like to walk that journey with him. There's scripture after scripture that refers to your spiritual walk, your faith thing, as a walk. You want to know why? It takes action to do. It takes work to do. So that is what we're going to do this morning, is shift from just, all right, we're understanding, we're understanding, to action. But before we jump into these few things, I want to just recap everybody. Week one, we called it, You Don't Know Spirit. Because we really understood that when we say the word spirit, we have no clue. Everybody means something different from it. We talked about all these different, some people mean like, oh, Casper's a friendly ghost because they say it's a spirit. And someone else over here means this. And we kind of we said, well, we've got to really get rid of our definitions of it and understand what the writers were writing and what they meant. And what they meant by spirit is in the Hebrew, they, they mean the word ruach. And then in the Greek, it's the word pneuma, which is where we get the word pneumonia from. And it means like breath or like life, like the very vitality of the thing itself. That's this, this thing, this spirit. And so when it says the spirit of God, it is the breath and the life of God himself expressed within and on this earth. And we use the example of flatland example. Okay, I may just like put a out there so y'all can go watch it, where like we're trying to understand a being that is far, far beyond our understanding and capability, and he expresses himself in various ways, and we only catch glimpses and parts of it. I'm sorry if there's anybody that's ever told you they know God and fully and everything like that. No. And the second you think you got it, he's like, no, no, a little bit further. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're higher than ours. So we really understood and defined that. And then last week, we talked, about, we talked about God is the Spirit. It's not like this, this separate person. It is the person of God himself expressed within us. And he saw fit through the person of Jesus 
to place that inside of us, to resonate inside of us, not unlike a vessel. Remember, we talked about the crazy potting show my wife's been watching that now I'm kind of hooked on, I'm not going to lie. Last night she was like, what do you want to watch? I'm like, I guess we could watch your potter show. She's like, is that because you're interested? And I was like, no, Uh, (laughs) but I am. And, And we're like that vessel to contain this spirit. And one of the things we looked at was when Jesus was talking and he said he was with the woman at the well. Do y'all remember this? This was in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and we're going in on to 17. This is all Jesus speaking and different interactions that he had, different prayers he did. And at the, with the woman at the well, he was speaking to someone he shouldn't have been speaking to in multiple ways. And they were basically having this conversation about where you're going to worship on this mountain or that mountain or how it's going to work. And Jesus said, there's going to come a time where you don't worship here or there, but you worship the Father because the Father is seeking such a true worshiper. And the thing that just really hit me heavy that week was the word true worshiper. True means not fragile. It means something that is constant no matter anything under consideration. And you remember we used the example of my brother's dog who gets super, super excited when I come over because I'm the guy who rouses them all up all the time, you know, like that. And I don't have to do a thing, but that dog is excited that I'm on the premises. My brother is not excited because there's always some kind of a mess to clean up. But that's the expression of worship. And so many times our worship is quite fragile. Our worship is very dependent on how tired we are. I'm not going to lie. I'm tired, guys. Trees don't plant themselves, but thank God for gardeners because I'm done planting trees. And we didn't have a wheelbarrow, so we were using cardboard boxes. Hey, you give a redneck some duct tape and stuff, we put cardboard boxes on furniture dollies, loaded it up with dirt, and hauled it over there. So, yeah, that's how we did it. And then come find out, Jonathan had a wheelbarrow a mile down the road. But our worship is, is, is very fragile with how tired are we? How do we feel? I don't like that song. Did you hear Julie? She sang it for so long. So long. I can't believe why are the lights blue? Where is the carpet? I can't. We don't have enough chairs whenever the kids are in here. This is fragile worship. True worship that the Father is seeking is the one that says it doesn't anything under consideration doesn't matter. I worship equally. And we also understood that worship is not, you remember we talked about this, like you see someone raising their hands or kneeling and all that kind of stuff, and we're like, oh, they're a worshiper. And it's like, that's no necessarily more worship than someone that's sitting down. No man knows the intent of the heart. Who are we to judge in the ways that the Spirit moves on people? This was a true worship that was last week. And now it moves us into understanding to be full of the Spirit. Last week we ended with this understanding that you can have the Spirit, but that doesn't mean you're full of the Spirit. For instance, if I had, I tell you what, guys, just remind me, we just need to keep a picture of water that's half full and an empty one up here all the time because we really love pictures of water examples um, if, if you look over the last like two years, we love to spill water on people just constantly. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, yes, thank you. Since we're live on Facebook, we'll cover up the orange. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this has water in it. Yes? 
but it is not full of water. Now, we're not going to have the argument over half empty, half full. But it has water in it, and this is the equivalent of you. You have spirit. At the point of your belief, you have the spirit of God. Did you know that? Anyone who tells you, no, you get saved, and then the spirit comes much, 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 much later. I can show you scripture after scripture in the book of Acts. I can show it to you in the Gospels. I can even show it to you all the way in the Old Testament that that is not the determination of it. At the point of belief, you have the spirit. That doesn't mean you're full of it, though. Some of you are full of it, but not the Spirit. So, that did not work. I was hoping to be <laughs> nice with that. But, but a lot of us have Spirit, but we're not full of it. Just like a jug of water, we have some, but it's not full. Now, let me just help all of us Pentecostals out here. A lot of times what we've heard is full of the Spirit is, shandalala, pass them on by, speaking in tongues. And that is the saddest excuse for the Spirit of God, and I'm sorry. Is tongues real? Absolutely. But when you want to take the entire expression of God and shrink it down into moving your lips in a certain way, that is egregious to the Spirit of God. That is not what he intended. He said, there's so much more to me. And even in the very verse where we see tongues, we see other gifts come into existence, things like prophecy and things like all this other stuff. And so what we've done as the modern church, I told you, I'm kind of preaching this morning. So what we've done as the modern church, all of us being included, we've said, ooh, that looks good and fun, and, and isn't that exciting? And, 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 it's, and, and it is. I'm not going to lie, guys. When I've seen the gifts of the Spirit really move, I'm talking about real ones, not the fake ones. Sometimes even when the fake ones move, people feel good about it because everybody likes to placate, but we don't want to placate with the Spirit of God okay so when we see it we're like man doesn't that look fun and we want to chase after that thing that 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 fun good feeling over here the power of the spirit but we've skipped some steps in the process because before power comes there's a thing called the fruit of the spirit and before the fruit of the spirit comes there's a thing called the belief honey can you hand me a tissue please So I won't ask any of the other ones. Oh, look, she just comes ready for that. She just comes ready. I apologize. All my allergies are acting up this morning. <clears throat> so when we see power, we want to go search for power, and we want to skip the fruit, and then we want to we skip all these processes. This is why you see people running from place to place from church. I just don't feel the Spirit there anymore. If the name of Christ is lifted up, the Spirit's there. I'm going to say that again. If the name of Christ is lifted up, the Spirit is there. Now, whether or not people are aware of it or not, that's a whole other conversation. But we must quit thinking that the Spirit of God is like a possession of a house. Y'all ever seen Amityville Horror? You're like, what is he talking about this morning? Right? It's like, no, you moved in on the Indian burial ground, so the Spirit of God is real. There was people buried under Ardent Church, and so they, they have some demons rise up in that place. This is not, the Spirit of God is not in one place, and then he's like here, and then he like, oh, he moved over here because that church didn't listen to me, and then he's over here. It says that my Bible, and, and I think it's the same one you use, I'm pretty sure, and that it says that his Spirit is everywhere. It is omnipresent. He is omniscient, all-knowing, and all-present. Now, just like right now, there is someone present in this building that you're not aware of. We're playing among us live right now there's an intruder no that's a kid's game okay there are actually several people you're not aware of did anybody notice Steph's not here she's here she's in the nursery some of you weren't aware of it doesn't change the fact that she was still there Sharon and Jerry are here they're taking care of all your hellions I mean lovely children 
She's up there. He's up there teaching. They're here. Their presence is here. Whether or not you're aware of it is a whole different thing. And isn't that just what we've done with the Spirit of God? We want a little bit of it, and we say, go to the back room in the closet. Now, I've heard this example all my life, and it's never became more and more real to me. I told you I'm kind of preaching this morning, but I'm preaching to myself, so don't worry. This is not condemnation. This is just God slapping me some more in front of you guys. It's like, it's fun. I'm a glutton for punishment. So that's what we do right now. We open the door. Come on in. The water is fine. Monday morning comes. Without coffee, God, you're in the closet. This is what we do to the Spirit of God is we push it aside and we want to seek gifts instead of understanding. You want to know why? It's easier to seek these things because those expressions are fun and everything like that. Now, am I degrading them? Not at all. You've got to come for the next two weeks and you'll hear. We'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit, okay? Taryn just bought some fruit trees for our house. <sighs> and they're going to be planted by Mike. He's coming over. Uh, he's coming over to help me with that. But these, I got one out of the box. I'm going to feed you. <laughs> you just got to wait for that tree to grow some fruit. But I got one out of the box when it came shipped, and I took a picture, and I said, honey, this looks pretty chintzy. It doesn't look like a fruit tree, because it was like a twig with two twigs, and like three leaves and it's supposed to be a plum tree or a cherry tree or a something tree and I'm like how long is this gonna take because you gotta plant this thing and you gotta take care of this thing and then we have a septic system we gotta figure out where can we plant I don't know all of this stuff this is why we skip the fruit part of it because it takes some time to develop fruit I think it's like a peach tree that can take like, what, five, ten years before it ever like gives you. And, and I love peaches. Maybe that's why they cost so much. Hope you're hearing that in the spirit. It costs. So we want to skip that. Now, I know that's all next week. But we need to be full. Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor, or sits in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth his fruit and his season. Y'all thought that how be like a tree thing was a joke? Y'all need to be like a tree. Not make like a tree and leaf, but be like a tree planted and rooted because that is where the Spirit of God begins to nurture you and fill you. But just like a tree that is just left in the wild, they don't always all produce. And God said, listen, listen, I got this thing. This happened all the way back in Genesis, by the way. And he says, I can, I can create this protected enclosure where I can, I, can, I can help you. I can graft you in. I can work on you. I can take care of you. But you've got to be willing to be pruned. This is what we can't do with the Spirit of God is push it to the side because it is the nurturance of your life. It is the thing that causes roots to grow in us. Now, what is the difference 
in being filled with the Spirit and having the Spirit or, you know, the Spirit coming on us or in us and through us. We say all these different words. Let me give you just a brief. I'm, preaching, I'm about to go from Genesis all the way to Revelation and beyond, okay? All in a few sentences, okay? In the Old Testament, that would be from, from Genesis into the minor prophets there before you get to the Gospels. That's how your Bible is typically organized, okay? Some others are organized in different ways. Before Christ, if we can just put it this way, the Spirit of God came on people for a time, okay? There's nowhere you can find in the entire Old Testament that it says the Spirit of God filled somebody and it stayed with them. Now, for all you scholars, you're thinking of Exodus 31 and Exodus 35 because there's one individual that says, and he was filled with the Spirit. But if you read the next four chapters, it says to do this work of this craftsmanship, and then it went, boop, gone. And none of us know that guy's name, and I would try to pronounce it for you, but it would be wrong. Starts with a B and ends with a Z-E-L something or other. Asterisk stuff. Because the Spirit of God throughout the entire Old Testament came on and then was, was gone. Came on and then was gone. Came on, gave men power to do specific things that needed to be done, and then it was removed. Now, when we get to the time of Christ, and there's a reason I say the time of Christ, this is what's going to challenge your theology a little bit, because the first person that it says was filled with the Spirit actually was John the Baptist, and it blatantly says that he will walk in the Spirit of Elijah. It says that multiple times throughout Scripture, so you can put that into your Revelation interpretation and figure that one out. And then it says Jesus would also be filled from birth. There was one other person that it was done this way. His name was Adam in Genesis. Adam was created with the Spirit of God in him initially. Now from that moment on, you see the Spirit of God began to fill people. In your entire New Testament, you no longer see the Spirit come on for a time and then leave. It says it's on them, it's with them. And the only time that you see it has, it has gone from them is actually whenever they have gone from it. This is the difference between kind of, if we can look at the Old Testament or the before Christ and after Christ. It was a giant reset button. Before in the Old Testament, God did it this way. He showed power to people through Moses, through the prophets. He showed them his power and then it caused belief besides some hard-headed Israelite people. And it caused belief. Okay, Old Testament, God shows his power. He's like flexing his muscles and whatnot. It's Mr. Universe. I don't have any or I would do that. But it's like, boom, power, and then people believe. In the New Testament, it happens the exact reverse, where he says, now I'm going to give you my spirit, and that spirit will cause you to understand and know who I am, believe, and then the power comes. One was showing power, then belief to learn the heart of God. And now, he says, I give you my heart, then you can have my power. I think of it, for me, and this may not track for you, but for me, I think of it much like a, like a parent. Whenever I was growing up, I had no clue what my dad's heart was, except for I thought he enjoyed whipping me. <laughs> Just not going to lie. I like, felt like every three days, he said, I swear, Jared had a timer that said, it's day three, we got to whip him. <laughs> Justin, my brother, not so much. I think he got like four in his entire life, but, you know, not everybody decides to, you know, turn mom's treadmill into a scooter, so, you know. But I didn't know my dad's heart. I just saw his power. 
and his might. And anyone who's ever met my dad, I, to this day, people are like, is your dad upset? I'm like, that's a happy face. What are you talking about? I knew his power and his might first. But as I grew older and I became a young man and I, I started having my own kids and everything like that, I started to learn his heart. I started to understand what he was trying to accomplish. And that's what it's like. God was showing us, says, this is my power, this is my might, this is who I am. And he's like, all right, you guys thick-headed suckers. Can I just show you my heart? And the person of Christ was the complete precipice of that. Full expression of the heart of God here on earth, or as we may say it, the spirit of God here. He said, I'm going to do it this way so you can always observe, see, understand. That's my heart. Now be full of that same heart and walk in it. In the Old Testament, it came on for a season for power. In the New Testament, it says, now I'm going to put it in you. From the moment of your belief and you understand my heart and understand who I am, it's there. Now it's your job to cultivate it like a tree. Plant it and be full of it. This is how the Spirit gave it to me, and this is the hurt one. We all run around, I have the Spirit. Yes, I do. I have Spirit. How about you? And that's about what church sounds like these days. Okay, glad we got that done. Uh, edit that out. <laughs> we want to run around, I have the Spirit of God. They don't have the Spirit of God. I have the Spirit of God, and that's great. You can have some Spirit. But are you full of the Spirit? Do you have the Spirit, or does the Spirit have you? Because there's a big difference in that. A lot of us run around and have the Spirit, but the, we have possession of the Spirit instead of the Spirit possessing us. And that one of those is you doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, and every once in a while you just go, boop, open the, you know, it's pop a top again. And that, that's all you do. The other one is saying, you're the one in the bottle. You're the one crushed and completely gone and say, okay, you have complete possession. Christ put it to us if we read the other chapters from the last couple of weeks where he said, no greater love has any man than to lay down his life for a friend. This is showing us the heart of God that he said, I'm willing to do it for you. Or are you willing to do it for me? I told you this was convicting me way probably more than it is you, you know. So y'all just sit there all holy and that's fine. <laughs> because I found out that, like I said last week, just I'll, I'll crucify myself daily for you guys right up here real quick. I found out like last week that my worship was a lot more fragile than I thought. And then I also found out last week through what the Spirit was saying that not only is my worship more fragile than I thought, but I thought I had done enough and I had just enough spirit to walk that balanced life. That's a bunch of bull spirit. That is a bunch of crap. You want me to define to you balanced life real quick? Balanced life is this. Honey, can you come here, please? Just... None of my other family's in here. Oh, wait, there's Levi. Come here, bud. And Jeremy, come here. And Daniel, son. Stand right here. Right here. Just, yeah, just right here. This is fine. I'm going to show you balanced life. This is totally off script, but I think some of y'all need to understand this. You've got to come up here. Can't always hide behind the drums, even with your long, flowy hair. This is a what a lot of you guys think of. I have to walk a balanced life. Who's ever heard this? 
Y'all are scared to raise your hand because y'all about to say, he's about to say, heard this crap. Yeah. That you got to be balanced. You can't just do everything spiritual. Have you read your Bible lately? But we conflate balance and equality. Equality is equal. Everything's equal. Okay? Balance, not the same thing. Here are three people. I love all of them. Yeah. You won't love me after this example. Uh, balance is this. That which I value the most is my priority. It may look the smallest, maybe more insignificant to you, but this is where I place my value. Thus, if he was a little glass, a little teapot short and stout, he would be full. Because this is my value. Step over there. Now, I may value Daniel as well. I've known him since he was born. Taryn used to watch him when he was a little kid. I say Taryn because I didn't. Have you met this kid? Just kidding. <laughs> I value him. But guess what? If I got to choose, love you, man. I'm choosing this one. And I love Jeremy, but he's a grown man. Fair enough. I value Jeremy. Love having conversations with Jeremy. But if I had to pick between Jeremy and Daniel, you've had a good life, sir. <laughs> I'm going to pick Daniel. This is a balanced life to say, I value this the most, thus I put my entire self into this. You get 50%, and you, you're important, and if there's anything left over, you can have a little bit of it. If we're running into a burden building, I'm going here, and then here, and then if you ain't already got out, then I'll go get you. <laughs> and while this may be humorous, this is actual balance. So when you hear someone say, you have to live a balanced life, and what they're actually trying to tell you to do is make it all equal. So you just give God a little bit, you give you a little bit, you give family a little bit, and then if you have any extra, you can go give someone else a little bit. That's not balanced. Balanced is what do I value most, and that's what I put it on. And thank you, guys. What do I put that value on? What do I want to fill my life with? Now, don't get it twisted. That's wickedness, so don't do that. That's what the word wickedness means, twisted. What we have twisted and, and marked together is this thing, this organization called church, and this other thing called your relationship with God. And we need to separate those two things. Who believes? Y'all are going to be so nervous to raise your hand. Who believes you can know God without church? You, you can not go to church and know God. Yeah, like he raised his hand, so I'm going to raise mine. Now, who in this room, we all believe that, and that is absolutely true. The biggest lie is that you must go to church, and if you miss church, and because you're not a good believer. You don't have to have it to have that relationship with God. No. Now, who said, I personally do not need church to have my relationship with God? You don't, like, not saying to everybody, just for you personally, I don't have to have the church. I can have my relationship with God. 
That's not all of us. Some of us need it, and that's perfectly fine. So just raise your hand if you don't. Welcome to ministry. Every person that can sit and say, the church is great, I don't personally have to have it, we should be serving it to help the others that do. Y'all are like, I should not have raised my hand. Crap. Now, don't get it twisted. Again, we love to twist things. I'm not saying stand up here and do what, the, what I'm doing. I mean, I'd love you to, please. I'm not saying, oh, that means i got to learn an instrument. I'm not saying, oh, that means be up here all Saturday and plant trees. And That's not what I'm saying. The church are these people. Put higher value. But what we've done is we've conflated church and relationship with God, and we've conflated all these things, and we're looking at this ball, and we think full of spirit means I'm just at the church all the time. Some of us are called to do that, okay? Can we just, can we just squash this? This is a little bit off my notes, okay? But everybody... There are some people in this room, myself being one of them, it is not a higher calling or anything, it's just a function. And he said, hey, someone's got to man the fort. If anything, this sucks. It's kind of like the, the, the army guys, you know, and you're like, hey, y- y'all ever watch the movies? What am I going to do? And they're like, you stay back and guard the fort. Just make sure no one takes over the fort. And everybody knows, like, but that is so boring. Like, what's going to happen? All the action's out there. And we've got it twisted. And everybody's trying to run into the church and say, I want to be in the church. Shut the doors. Keep them out. You go fight. You go fight. But the church, there were some of us that are saying, hey, we just got to hold down the fort. To where whenever you're out there and you've got rid of the spirit and you just you got a little bit of it. Because you didn't do what you're, you didn't keep it going and keep it flowing. The fort's here. That's all this is for. You can't live in the fort. You've got to go out. And we've conflated all these things together and we've mistaken being full of the Spirit with being full of church. And it's not the same thing. The Spirit of God speaks to situations of destruction and death and breathes life. He speaks to relationships and restores them. And if we are supposed to speak what he speaks, thinks what he thinks, that's our job. We should be like Hawkeye and the Avengers with an arrow of love, or Cupid maybe. And constantly watching and looking and letting the spirit swell up inside of us and say, okay, I see something right here. I'm going to speak life and spirit into that situation. It's out of my way, God. Value. Where do we put the most value on? Now, this is my last few things right here is this. Acts chapter 2, we see not the first expression of being filled with the Spirit. Most people think it is, but it's not. Um, If you've ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, I already told you two times that says filled with the Spirit happened from the mother's womb, which was with John the Baptist and Jesus. But there are multiple occasions leading up to that, in which Jesus actually says he breathed on them and they were filled with the Spirit. This is before the day of Pentecost, okay? So this is before Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 2, we do see a very, very interesting thing. It says they were all gathered in the place, one mind. One accord, some translations say, or one desire, one purpose. It says, and then, when that unity was there, 
Then it says, the Spirit filled the room and all those that were in it. Then they went out and preached the gospel. And then guess what? You keep reading, and it says there's another group of people. And this next group of people come together. And then it says that they prayed. And they said, I want to believe. How do I have this? And they said, they were filled with the Spirit. And then guess what happened? Then they went out and preached the good news. Guess what happened after that? Then there were some filled with the Spirit. And then they went out and taught the gospel. And then guess what happened? I'm hoping y'all are getting this at some point because y'all still looking really question marked here, okay? (laughs) It's a pattern. It repeats itself. What the lie you have been told, in my opinion, is I was filled with the Spirit and now I'm never running dry. You are a vessel. You can run dry. He is the well. It doesn't run dry. This running dry, we want to think it happens because you're doing oh so much work. Y'all are some lazy suckers self-included. It is not because of all the work you do. It is because you ain't put any spirit in you. You've been filling yourself up with some self. Then you're full of it, all right. But we are supposed to exhale everything, every bit of life and breath we think we have. Can I replace that? Every bit of purpose that you think you have, every bit of that, get rid of it and find his. Now, guess what? My purpose and Jeremy's are not the same. And shame on me if I tell Jeremy, Jeremy, you better be a preacher. You better get up here and you got to say it and spray it and all of that stuff and pray for people and all that. And you better do it because that's the path that God has for you. Now, I'm not saying it is or is not for Jeremy because I don't know Jeremy's path. But this is what being filled with the Spirit is, is to Fill ourselves with his spirit to where we don't have spirit. It has us. We're completely full of it to where we can literally not even respond in the way we would want to respond. We respond with the love that Christ showed us. We respond with the wisdom that Christ showed us. We respond, yes, even with the correction that Christ brought. Because with great love comes great responsibility. I know it's with great power, but with that love, sometimes the greatest act of love is to, to try to re-guide and correct. But you better make sure it is the Spirit of God doing that guiding and correction and not you and your own culture and your own agenda and your own thing that you want to see out of someone's life. You better make sure you are not imposing because you didn't want one off the path. You would like to give it to somebody else. You better make sure it's spirit. And you'll know when it is. Because when it's the spirit, you'll have something called peace about it. Peace means to be set at one. Unity. And the reason we don't see people running around full of the spirit, they just got some spirit, is because there's no unity in the church. There's no unity between us and God because we're off here wanting to run our own thing and our own life and do our own and then just give him the crumbs. I told you I was hitting me. Okay. This is the last thing I want to say. I may get excited. 
or overwhelmed. One or the, I don't even know what emotion may express when I say this, but this hit me like a ton of bricks. By treating the Spirit of God like it stays in this room and this is where you come and get it and that, that like, by, by just having it and not being full of it and everything like that and thinking that it, it, it comes on you whenever you've done enough right and you've studied enough and you've prayed enough and now the Spirit can move on you. Has anybody ever been taught that? Inadvertently even, not even like purposefully. It's just like that's the concept. You want me to prove to you that's the concept? Here's how. There's something going wrong in life. Where does everybody run? to the church. Is that wrong? No, but that's because we've painted this picture that the Spirit of God is in there. And so if we go there, y'all put it on me like I'm supposed to fix it for you. I'm just, let's get some glitter. I'm just going to be like, it's fixed. Because that's about the equivalent of what I can do for you. Get something on your clothes that you can't get out. The Spirit of God is within you, and by doing that, I'm going to share something with you really heavy. You are completely degrading the work of Christ and what he did, and on top of that, I read in my scripture that you are actually subjecting yourself to the old covenant law by treating it that way. So those who are under the law, you die and live by that law. He says those who are of the Spirit, you live by the law of the Spirit. That's found in Galatians, that's found in Ephesians. I could keep going. Corinthians talks about it. Um, pretty much your whole Bible. And what we have done is we continue to treat the Spirit of God like that explicit, push it to the side. We're not full of it. We just got a little bit of it. Give it a little dabble here, a little dabble there, a dabble do you. And then we have no clue, but we're actually subjecting ourselves to the very thing Christ said, I came to set you free from that. Now here's where this gets a little twisted in our minds. Because some of you may be thinking, that's awesome, I feel free. Some of you may be thinking, you're telling me that no matter how far I go this way, God's right there beside me. There's, you're telling me that I don't have to. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. And the other side of you are thinking, well, if, I've gotta, if I can do whatever I want, are you just saying we can do whatever you want, whatever we want? Sure. If you've got that mentality, you don't have the heart of God. If your thought is, what can I get away with? That is saying you're not at one with the Spirit because you're just looking for an out. And I just told you earlier during the time of music that all Scripture and the Spirit was given to correct and to shift and change us. And it's not comfortable, but God, when the Spirit gets a hold of you, there becomes an interesting, odd freedom, excitement thing that happens where you're like getting, it's like being excited about a butt beating. If y'all ain't been whipped, I can introduce you to my dad. He will gladly oblige. I think he's been missing it over the last 15 years or so. I just need to get some exercise maybe. It's like being excited to say, where are you going to lead and guide me now? What are you going to find and need to cut off and prune off so I can grow that fruit? That's what the Spirit of God is for. And we need to be full of it to where everything we say is repeated after him. Everything we do is the very actions he would do. That is what it means when it says kingdom come. Kingdom come is not world domination. We're not playing like real life risk here, people. Kingdom come means the way he does it. And the way he saw fit to do it was to put the spirit of God in there. And he said, now grow it. Be filled with it. Some of us are filled with it in a moment. In an expression like you see in the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 11. I mean, you just you see it, you see it, you see it. Sometimes it's in those instances like that. And sometimes it happens over the course of a conversation and over the course of time and over the course of understanding. And then the Spirit of God becomes real to you and it's there and then you begin to grow it. But let's not subject ourselves to the old law. Let's not do away with what Christ said he came to do, which was to give the Spirit, the Comforter. It all sums up to John chapter 17, verse 3. So we've already went through all the Johns there. All the John 14, 15, 16. In John 17, verse 3, this is Jesus praying. And he says, now this is eternal life. Did you ever know he actually defined eternal life in your Bible? And we're like, who knows what it's like? Answer, John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life. To know him, the one true God. And Christ who he sent. It's all about knowing him. Knowing his response and responding in kind. These are called the sons and daughters of God. The ones who say, not my will, but yours. And that happens when we are filled with the Spirit of God. But we can't seek filling with the Spirit and seeking the end result gift without doing the work to be filled with it. What happens when you do that is you get rotten fruits. And then some nasty stuff comes out of you if you eat some rotten fruit. Yeah, that was a play on, play on words there, Sonia. She started cracking up a little bit. But if we plant ourselves like Psalms chapter 1 says, we will begin to be nurtured by the living water. And we will bring forth good fruit in due season. You continue to read, it says, his leaves also shall not wither. I mean, you ain't going to die. This is not, this is eternal life to know him. And whatever he does will prosper. Now, before you went emoji sign with dollar signs on prosper, prosper means success in your endeavors. And guess what? Those endeavors will be the spirit endeavors, not your personal endeavors. So before y'all go running around, whatever I do prospers, I want a Mercedes Benz. Unless that's God's plan for you, which it very well could be. I'm not going to say it is or isn't. I'm not God. Don't go. That's natural thinking, not spirit thinking. 